peace. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Black with your host, Brother Aleem Kente. Still trying to find my range, proper range in my voice, my t- proper tone for this show. Uh, do I want to be high-pitched, high-energy? Do I want to be grounded, low-pitched, low-energy? I don't want to be low energy, but I want to be able to have a balance between my range and my voice. I got to keep playing with it. Just let it come naturally how I feel, I guess. Um, Why do I want to bother you with listening to me? Podcasts. Everybody wants to be heard. I believe that. I believe I was thinking um, uh, yesterday when I was online purchasing cologne. I was thinking that a person should be seen, heard, felt, smelt, and uh, have good taste. And that covers all the five senses. You should have good taste. You should be felt by others. You should have an impact on other people. You should be seen by other people. You should have your presence be seen and known about. You should be heard. You should be vocal. You should be audible. And you should smell good. I feel like smell is a part of your identity. You know, I have a habit when I'm being, you know, intimate with a person. I like to put my nose like in their hair and like just just breathe in their hair and see how they smell. That's something I like to do. I just I like I feel like a person's smell can tell you a lot about their personality. The natural smell, not like the, but even like what they choose to put on their body is also uh, telling you their personality. But the natural smell tells you what's kind of going on inside of a person. I feel like you can even, you can, yeah, I feel like a person's natural smell shouldn't have, it should be good. You know, I, I, I was just with a girl, I'm not going to say her name, but. She's a lovely person, but she smells like clothes detergent, like strong, heavy clothes detergent. And um, and it just the cell this doesn't sit right with me. And then on top of that, she did something that didn't sit right with me at all. And then I'm just thinking, like, is this because she smells like clothes detergent? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's a good way to open a podcast. What's going on, everybody? I just got off work. Um, I just put a Q-tip in my ear. I have a bathroom I'm looking at that's really, you know, it's got got DNA all over the place. Hair follicles and all kinds of things. I, I, I need to clean my bathroom up. For real. Um, I 
Other than that, I'm doing pretty well. It's not that much on my mind. Uh, other than I didn't like the new Nas album. I wasn't crazy about what I the snippets that I heard from the Big Sean album. And I and I really just don't like mediocre music. <clears throat> I believe that there when you when you really love music and you have a, a f- kind of a full grasp of what can be done creatively, it, it sets up such a high standard in your mind that when you hear things that fall below that standard, it makes you upset. To me, it makes me upset. Be, um, you know, after I heard To Pimp a Butterfly or after I heard uh, the Black Album or, you know, uh, Late Registration or My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, anything below that, I, it, it's like, why did you even do it? When you know what exists, why would you put your reputation on the line when you already know what exists? So... I didn't like the Nas album. I wanna I wanna vent a little bit on that. Because to dislike Nas's music, people feel like it's akin to disliking Nas. That is not true. You can dislike Nas's music ability and still love Nas as a human being because as a human being, Nas has a wonderful persona. He he has a a character that could, should be studied you know he's not a man who seeks attention um he's a man who from what it appears he has you know a, a moral compass and um you know he he's uh reserved and those are all beautiful characteristics to study in you know being you know a better human being um As it comes to rap, I believe the person, there's one person who has all those things. He's humble. He is mysterious. He is reserved, charismatic, and, and, and highly intelligent. But when it, when he's allowed to create and and I won't even say music because music has a certain sonical connotation to it but when he is allowed to create and when I say create that has a that should have a broader you know um connotation when you create you know you're making something from thin air and it is something that is is brand new when you create. Um, Andre 3000. <clears throat> when he's allowed to create, he unleashes um, his creativity in 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 max in 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 its fullest capacity. But when Nas is allowed to create, <clears throat> Nas's r- reservations as his personality goes, 
carry over into his music and his music always feels like he's holding back it feels like Nas Nas will never not rap the way he raps you know when you know when people talk about Jay-Z versus Nas it <laughs> you really get to see the psychology of why people like Nas the psychology behind people who like Nas is based on People dislike Jay-Z because I believe people dislike Jay-Z's success. People dislike Jay-Z's commitment to uh, material wealth. And um, people see that as pretentious. Sometimes Jay-Z can be a snobby rapper. I believe that Jay-Z may even invented, you know, that snobby rap category um but outside of jay-z's you know bragging and his you know boasting lyrically you know jay-z just has a dexterity and he has you know he has um just a a, a great um uh, arsenal of different flows that he can tap into where it, you know it's kind of organic when Jay-Z gets on a beat he has you know I feel like he he takes on each new beat as a new way to express himself even though you know he has a signature sound but it still sounds new from you know song to song um and Nas does not do that and that's what that's where the line is drawn for me when the Jay-Z and Nas and people say well you know you to, to me, it's like, you know, a person saying, I hate steak. No, I don't like steak, yo. I like um, I like ramen noodles, yo, because they always kind of kept me comfort. They like a comfort food that I grew up with. That's what people, that's how people sound to me when they say they're a Nas fan over Jay-Z. I don't believe you, I don't think it's rational to be a Nas fan over Jay-Z. It just doesn't, the, the data doesn't support it. It, it becomes, you just are blatantly ignoring the data. You're blatantly ignoring the lyrical content. You're blatantly ignoring the uh, the commercial success. You're, you're, you, in fact, you're not ignoring it because it can't be ignored, but you're trying to, you, you, you even go far to say that it's due to satanic rituals being practiced and stuff like that that's the kind of stuff that Nas fans Nas fans to me are not that intelligent it's just I just damn it why did I say that fuck oh man Nas fans to me are not people who who understand music let me say that you know music is not just rap and typically the people that I hear talking about Nas, they, they're people who are in the trenches of a particular sonic cool sound of rap. They like MF Doom. To me, I don't think MF Doom is that tight. I think MF Doom has a boring flow. And I believe that is the reason why MF Doom never really transcended past, you know, being an underground rapper, even though he's 
you know, lauded as one of the greatest underground, the king of underground rappers. And I've heard a couple of his songs that I really, really, really like. But it's just not enough to make me be like, yeah, this dude is like the greatest rapper of all time. He's a great rapper. Um, However, he has chosen to, you know, make his entire discography about a, a particular era of rap that he grew up in the 90s. He is trying to prolong the 90s past the point in which the 90s was relevant, as Nas is also doing. Nas is trying to make the flow that he had in 1992 relevant in 2020. I believe that is stagnant and I believe it is not creative. I don't I think that, you know, the only thing that can be said is different is, you know, the 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 lyrics, because, you know, the lyrics are based upon the changes in his life. Um, but truth be told, his lyrics were better when he was younger. Um, it's not interesting hearing Nas rap about Khalees because nobody even liked Khalees. Nobody even liked Khalees. Khalees, there was many different people that Nas could have went after. He could have been with Ashanti. Or he could have shot his, he could have tried to shoot for Mariah Carey when she was popular. But, but Khalees had one song, Milkshake. She had two songs and, and Bossy. And that was it. And, 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 and so hearing Nas talk about his relationships with Khalees, the singer who nobody really, really cares about. And a woman who ultimately just turned out to be trash. It's not it's not exciting. It's not exciting. Um Yeah, it's not exciting. I was very disappointed with the album <clears throat> because for one, Hit Boy is a very dull producer. Let me say that. He he's very dull. And the people who are trying to say that this album was better than Nasir, they're crazy. Even Nas said it. Even Nas made a statement say, yeah, I don't know what happened with Nasir. You know, it was made in a week. Hey, man, all praise is due to Allah. It was made in a week. Who cares? It was a great sounding album. It's a classic. As far as I'm concerned, Nasir is a classic. As far as I am concerned, I can't really... You know, I have I have my, my musical tastes are, are different than other people's. I, as far as I'm concerned, from my standpoint, when I measure, you know, Nas's ability and Kanye West's ability, Nasir is a classic album. The production, the lyrics, all of it is is very very good. The only reason why people hate on Kanye West so much is because people generally don't like Kanye West. And I don't think that that's a good excuse to dismiss the man's work. I just don't. And, you know, I've done commentary on what I think about Kanye West. Kanye West is a visionary's visionary. He is a he is a man who has suffered great turmoil that other people have not been able to really stand 
and he has come out on top victorious and he has exceeded the limits of what of what rap was supposed to be you know Charlemagne the God made a very ignorant and stupid statement to Kanye West one time during the interview he said why don't you just stick to rap and Kanye has exceeded rap rap is a box to make black men think that that is the most that they can do but Kanye West is a god for real he's not Charlemagne the God who is trapped to radio he is a real God who is, you know, adventurous in his ambition and will go the lengths of his creativity into any different avenue that he has the will to explore. And that is noble and that is admirable and extremely difficult to do. So when you you don't understand what it's like to have the psychology that Kanye West has, when you're that creative, when you're that powerful in your creativity, when you live in your purpose to that magnitude, you will say things that are not, you know, agreeable because you're coming from an extreme point of view. Your point of view is extreme, if, even if it's wrong, even if fundamentally fund, well, fundamentally it's not wrong. Fundamentally, his, his statements are correct. Fundamentally, when he said that Harriet Tubman did not free black people, that was fundamentally at its root, at its core. That was a correct statement. It was poorly timed and it was poorly delivered. And he said that to an audience of people who are poorly prepped to hear such statements. If he was talking to a more savvy, a more understanding, a more intelligent, a more rounded audience, that statement would have been understood. But, but, you know, if he was talking to a more intelligent audience, he probably wouldn't even have made the statement. He probably only said that statement in this extreme point of view to make people who are not savvy and who are not as knowledgeable about the real slavery, who are not as knowledgeable about the real slavery. He said that statement to shake them awake because the real slavery is mental. The real slavery is not physical. When he made new slaves, he was talking about a new slavery, a new form of slavery in the form of, of mental. And, and, and what p- black people don't understand is that these historical black figures like Harriet Tubman were propped up by white people to be our, you know, spokespeople. They were to be our representatives as they deserve to be. They deserve to be um, remembered as the ancestors. However... Um, that we don't care about them. And what I mean by that is that, you know, everybody, you, there's an artificial attachment to these hor- historical figures. It is not a real attachment. They are our ancestors and they deserve attachment to our daily lives and they deserve attachment to the present from the past to the to the present but we don't have that 
we are only incensed or we are only our sensibilities are only provoked when there's a really when a black person besmirches the name because white people have never validated Harriet Tubman or any of our historical figures and we don't we don't hate white people for doing that. In fact, we take after white people in slowly losing admiration and respect for our ancestral figures. We don't care about Harriet Tubman. That's a that's a lie. You don't care about Harriet Tubman. You don't care about Martin Luther King. You don't care about uh, Toussaint Levator. You don't care. You have an artificial attachment. So when you so. When someone says something about them, you know that it is your artificial duty, just like a program. You just it's just something that you do because you feel as though it's your duty to respond. It's I have to respond. I have to say I don't like Kanye West talking about Harriet Tubman. You don't care about Harriet Tubman. Kanye West care about Harriet Tubman more than you do. Let's face facts. Kanye West was born to a black woman who was an educator who schooled Kanye West and the um, the different black people that were uh, responsible for raising us um, up and helping us. Whereas many black people did not have that kind of experience growing up. So Kanye West is, in my opinion, qualified to speak on the matter. However, he's he's a little, um, you know, brash and uh, he's perfectly fine to speak on the matter. Um, he's a black man, but black people have a, a very, very ugly habit of passing judgment on people that they see as their inferior when Kanye West is not anybody's inferior. Kanye West is not less than you because he makes uh, blunders that you can see. You can see Kanye West's mistakes. But if somebody had a camera in your day-to-day life, we would see all of your mistakes and all of your errors. And then you would have to live life like Kanye West where you were trying to always come after yourself and apologize. And then eventually people would just hate you and hate you and hate you and hate you. But you don't even do as much for your community as Kanye West has done. And if you, you know, some of you are so hard hearted, you would be willing to say Kanye West didn't do anything for the black community. And that's a lie because he did something for me and that he helped me to see my own creativity and and see it as something that was viable when we were growing up, we couldn't relate to Jay-Z that much. We, we tried. We tried to relate to tw- 30s, the new 20, and we tried to relate to these songs. But the truth of the matter is that though that Jay-Z speaks from a, a point of view that most of us have never experienced. Um, we weren't we, we don't have we weren't um, fortunate to grow up that way. Or not fortunate. Maybe it's not a fortunate thing. Maybe it's fortunate the way we did grow up. Um, but um, yeah, we couldn't relate to Jay Z all the time. We tried to. Is Jay Z is a man that you know you he 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 makes a standard of man. You know, 
he's business oriented he's he's stylish he's vocal he's you know ambitious these are all manly traits and characteristics he's competitive he's you know he's he's all of those things but for for those of us who couldn't relate to that for those of us who were more geared towards the artsy side of life um Kanye West was like our father Kanye well Kanye West was like our big brother um so I said all of that to say that uh, Nasir was a better album, in my opinion, than King's Disease. You know, the best thing about King's Disease was the album cover. Um, and it this the 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 album cover is so magnificent. It's so brilliant. It's so awesome. It really should have been saved for something like Watch the Throne 2 or something just magnificent something but not Nasir's King's Disease Nasir's King's Disease was not magnificent you know even the Nas fans admittedly said that it won't be the album of the year what point is it making an album if it's not going to be in competition with album of the year what, what is the point why release it why put it out if it's not going to be album of the year when Kendrick Lamar released Damn, did you think that he didn't think that it would be album of the year? Damn was album of the year. When when Drake released Scorpion, you think he didn't think, oh, man, this should be album of the year. Or Eminem released Kamikaze. Or J. Cole released Kids on Drugs. Lupe Fiasco released Drogas Wave. They all came out throwing heavy, heavy punches on those albums. Heavy punches. All with the mindset that I wanted my album to be better than anybody else's without even hearing their album so I can't even compare myself to them but when I do come out I can only go off based off of what I've done in the past and what other people have done in the past and expound upon that and and try to come out swinging the heaviest blows I can with my album that is not what King's Disease is and that is why I'm so disappointed because it has it has so much potential to be that but it's not and I think this is because this, that's as far as Nas can go Nas is not going any further he is not an Andre 3000 he is not a Jay-Z where they you know they have a a well of imagination and creativity and Nas has never been talked about as a creative uh, an imaginative man Nas is a very straightforward man he's gonna talk about straightforward things you know Jay Z did an off the wall maneuver when he guest featured on every song on Jay Electronica's album that was a creative decision that was an imaginative thing and we got a lot of good cuts from Jay-Z on that Jay Electronica album that people, you know, some of the people who heard it understood and then the people who didn't, they didn't understand. But um, that was a good album. Um, again, it's not about Jay-Z versus Nas. And people are still trying to use ether. And that just shows the intelligence, the intelligence with the Nas fan who tries to say that 
because Ether, Nas body Jay-Z on Ether and, and, and Jay-Z didn't have a good response. Jay-Z's response to Ether was making number one albums afterwards. It wasn't about a song or a diss track. See, people who think diss track are small-minded people. When Pusha T, there's some people out there who are so petty and so ugly on the inside that they really thought that Pusha T bodied Drake. I mean, in, in my mind, those things don't even matter. They don't even matter. Rap beef is not a real thing. It doesn't matter. But in the minds of petty, small-minded people, that stuff does matter. It does matter to them. It matters. Oh, this person bodied this person. Ah. doesn't matter none of it matters at all what matters is longevity and success and drake has longevity and he has success he has greater longevity he has greater success than Pusha t and that's just what the facts are jay-z may have got bodied by Nas on the diss track 30 100 000 years ago but the fact remains that jay-z is the more successful and the more lasting, the long lasting rapper than Nas. That's facts. That's facts. So you I don't know why I I I just I try to put put the argument to bed with as much logic as possible. But um, you know, some people are just so entrenched into their beliefs. That they can't see the greater picture. They just can't. They they think on terms of diss tracks. <laughs> they don't think on terms of personality. You know, that's why I had such a huge problem with Pusha T because he 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 made he 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 did a he was very ungentlemanlike on his diss track and 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 I know all the small-minded people are saying oh but that's battle rap man that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to go after a man's throat are you are you how are you helping the 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 cause of unifying black people when you have no mercy in your heart for other black people how are you helping the cause of unity when you have no limitations on what you will and won't say. You don't have any restraints on what you will say about your brother or your sister. You'll say anything. Push the T took it too far. They say, well, as a rapper, what people don't understand that. <laughs> Just because <laughs> people people don't understand that. <laughs> Just because it was said in the song doesn't mean that it's regu- it's it's regulated to just a song. He it was said as 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 a public announcement. It was said as a as a public opinion, and it was stated, and it was heard. It doesn't matter that it was confined. It's not confined to a rap song just because it's put on a beat. It it is it's real. Just because, you know, battle rappers, you know, say they're going to kill each other on stage doesn't mean that it it doesn't uh, play into real life. It does. 
because those emotions are real. The words are real and they can have real consequences that go outside of the arena in which they were said. <sighs> the people who understand, understand, and the people who don't, they have to be, be patient with themselves to understand eventually, as we all do. We all got to be patient with ourselves to understand. I also wanted to talk about tenant. <clears throat> I had made a statement before that tenant was Christopher Nolan's best movie. It is not. It is not. Tenet is Christopher Nolan's most ambitious film. Christopher Nolan's most thought-provoking film. However, in its entirety, it is not Christopher Nolan's best film. I, I, miss, I was uh, speaking out of pure uh, fascination with the film on first sighting. When I saw it again, and I was not as thrilled with my second viewing. And I'm entitled to change my opinion. You know? Opinions are not, not, I'm not, I would be foolish to, you know, tattoo my opinion on my, on my mind and, you know, wear a single thought that I had and try to stand by it as hard as I could. I'm I'm not going to stand by it. It was just an opinion that I had at a moment from a pure adrenaline from seeing a movie that I really enjoyed. <clears throat> no, Chris, my, my, my take, my Christopher Nolan list, you know, with, with putting much thought into it, even though I'm, I'm kind of spit firing my, my, my points, my talking points here in no particular order, but putting thought into the Christopher Nolan movie, um, list, <clears throat> my Christopher Nolan movie list goes like this. The Dark Knight Rises. Inception. The Dark Knight. Tenet. Prestige. Dunkirk. Insomnia, then Memento, and then I would put down, down there, oh, and, and, and then Interstellar, right, yeah, because Interstellar definitely comes after Memento, and then after Interstellar, you have the following, which was Christopher Nolan's first film. Let me say it again. The Dark Knight Rises. So you don't think I'm bullshitting. I calculated this. Dark Knight Rises. Inception. 
The Dark Knight. Tenet. Prestige. Dunkirk. I think I'm already out of order. The Dark Knight Rises is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Okay. The Dark Knight might be yours. Uh, but The Dark Knight Rises, um, to me, it had greater char- character weight. It had greater story arcs. And it was really out of it. Really, I don't know how Christopher Nolan got away with making a superhero movie that had very little superhero action in it. The Dark Knight Rises was more of a, a straight up drama than anything else. Um, it was just it was just more of a straight up drama. It, I don't. It had very little superhero stuff going on in that movie. Um, it was a, it was, to me, it was a very thorough character study. You know, you, you got to study the characteristics of Catwoman. You got to study the characteristics of, um, Robin. Or you got to study the characteristics of Bruce Wayne and his relationship to Alfred. And you got to study Bane and you got to study so many different people, even Commissioner Gordon. <clears throat> know Commissioner Gordon had a very mature he was at his full everybody was at their full potential at at that movie everybody was right at the the cusp the only person who wasn't really at their full potential well that was the thing everybody was giving it their all but giving it their all to get to the next level of who they were going to be. So Batman was not at his full potential, but as a character, he had been through so much that he really was at the height of who he was. He really was at the height of who he was to to get to the next level of who he was going to be and that that's kind of like what was symbolized with that Lazarus pit he was at the bottom of the pit the whole time he always was in a pit he always was in that prison that prison was just a metaphor for his entire life he always was in the prison but the movie was showing him climb up was a metaphorical climb was a was a you know God I hate when I talk so much my jaws start clicking <sighs> um, damn is this how girls feel damn how do how do women get their jaws to stop clicking um, it was a metaphorical climb to to ascend into who he into his other self into his new self everybody was at that verge of going into their new self robin as a as a police officer he went through a couple of he started as a police officer then he graduated to detective and then he 
graduated from detective into vigilante by the end of the movie. But even he was at a point in his life where he was, you know, at a, you know, a, a verge of crossing over because he was tired of being, you know, an angry person or being angry without, you know, the, any having any power to do anything about his anger, not being heard, not being uh, respected. You know, as a, he's a, you know, a little uh police officer and you know people are talking to him and you know as though he's you know some type of peon and stuff and he has to just obey orders and he doesn't like that so he has to you know he's on the verge of trying to get out of, of being in this subservient position batman is getting out of a position of being in torment you know catwoman is getting out of a position of being uh in her own torment Everybody's tormented and getting out of their torment. Um, they could have did better with Bane. Killing Bane was, you know, necessary because you Bane is a life devoted member of the League of Shadows. He was never going to stop. So you had to kill him, but the way in which they killed him was, it was uh, unfitting. It wasn't fitting of of a man like him, of a villain like him. Wasn't a fitting and he deserved a better death than to just be shot. But I think they did that deliberately now because they were trying to show that, you know, Bane was on the verge of something as well. He believed that he was on the verge of immortality and and eternal glory in, in fulfilling the goal of Ra's al Ghul. But the goal of Ra's al Ghul um, from the movie's perspective is an evil goal and evil men should not have their wishes granted to them is I, I what is the only thing that I'm thinking the evil men should not be granted their their true glory so I believe the writers robbed Bane of his fitting end because the fitting end even Talia, Talia had a better end than him, but she was still, you know, she was still able to give her final speech before she died. She had a, a more fitting end, but it's not the end that she had in mind. The end that they had in mind was the end where they blow up Gotham, but they were robbed of their end and they saw their plan beginning to fail them so they started going to desperate measures and started doing things that were uncharacteristic of them but really not uncharacteristic but they they had been keeping up a a facade of um, well not a facade but that's the thing about their characters their characters were welded with both good and bad intentions good intentions and bad intentions and but to ultimately make them out to be villains, and because the, the you know the the director doesn't want people to really root for the villains, but I I root for the villains. 
um, just because I understand their cause because it's, it's similar to my own cause in life um, not to go and blow up anything but to be on the opposite side of white people that's my cause in life um, to be on the opposite side of to be on God's side and God is <laughs> going to destroy this world and he is doing it now if you have any disbelief in God's destruction, he is destroying this earth now. As we speak, he is destroying this earth. And um, I want to be on God's side. And in this movie, Bane, <clears throat> in his mind, he is a representative of God's divine will. Um, but the writers, of course, they want to show Bane not as a, you know, morally upstanding man with a real cause, but a man who is misguided and deceived by an immoral cause. So at the end of the movie, even though the entire movie he is showing upstanding character, you know, he he before he blows up the football stadium, he, he says, that's a lovely, lovely voice. When he snatches his helmet from the guy at the stock exchange, he doesn't forget to say thank you. You know. He he's he's a pretty merciful. He's 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 merciful and respectful but also not a but also will not hesitate to kill for principle but at the end when he has the shotgun to batman's head he was disobeying a direct order to be merciful to batman which kind of was the the writer's way of saying okay he's not really a a moral man he's kind of like a He's kind of just been pretending to be moral this whole time, but he'll he'll shoot Batman with a gun. You'll just have to imagine the fire and all that kind of stuff. Like I, that's not where how I would have wrote Bane's end, but I would have gave Bane a different ending because in that ending, that was Bane. Being, that was being desperate to win with, you know, feeling like he had lost and he, he needed to kill Batman because he needed to regain his lost pride. So he needed to kill Batman. So they killed him. They robbed Bane of his of his immortality. Or they robbed Bane of his his um, his um, Whatever. Anyway. Blah. Anyway. I think it's about time for me to take a shower. Take a shower. Put my do-rag on. Maybe make something to eat. I don't know yet. I'm working on a uh, cardboard model house. I'm trying to go to school for architecture. I've been looking at scholarships 
all over the place, you know, trying to get in contact with architects that are already in the field. Um, I want to be an architect so bad. I want to be a real estate agent. I want to be very intimately involved with houses. I also want to be a a home inspector. Um, But I want to be intimately involved with real estate. And um, right now I'm trying to save up money to get a car so that I can save up money to to move um, so that I can save up more money to actually get into real estate and begin my career as a real estate agent if Allah allows me to do this because the way that the world is now you know is is beautiful to be optimistic but you know you know the the world is dying so you know making plans for the future like that you know, I, I feel grateful just to be alive, to be quite honest with you. I, I, I really am con- I'm not content with just being alive, but I am contented. I am content. I'm not content with just being alive, but I am content. I'm, I'm not content with just having the things that I have, but I am content with having the things that I have. You know, I was talking to my friend and I was telling him, man, every time I see a a fancy house with the inside furnished perfectly. I just get angry because I feel like it's something that was kept away from me. Like I was kept away from glory. I was kept away from having nice things, but that's not true. I was, I was very, very fortunate in life to be surrounded by very beautiful people I've always been um, fortunate to be in the company of very beautiful human beings and um, this might sound very sappy and very poetic and unnecessary but living inside of the heart of another human being is really better than living inside of a physical home you know for my friends to say that I'm a person that they care about my family to say I'm a person that they care about I'm, I'm it's, it's satisfying to live inside of their brain to live inside of a, to have a place in their heart and mind but I still want that house Let's not get anything twisted. I still want to live in a very beautiful home. But I have a very beautiful apartment, a dirty bathroom that I need to clean. If I had a beautiful home, it would just be fucking messy. I got to learn how to maintain myself at the level I'm on. And be happy with my level that I'm on. Stop um, abusing my level and taking my level for granted and taking my life at the place that I'm in, in my life for granted. And stop, you know, falling asleep at the will. I don't know who you are, but I 
if you're listening to this, then uh, I was successful in talking to someone and being heard. Next thing I got to do is smell good and look good. So I cut my hair and I look good. And I have an interview scheduled for tomorrow at Verizon Wireless. And I don't know if I'll go to the interview because I have to work tomorrow at the same time of my interview. And I don't... I'm not sure if I'm going to take the risk in skipping work to go to an interview for a job that I may or may not get. And so I'm going to have to really think about this. But I'm on my way. So I am being heard potentially by somebody. I will be seen by many people tomorrow. Maybe an interviewer, maybe just to peep my customers at work or, you know, my friends, whatever. I will hope that I'll be felt. I'm usually am felt when I talk. And when I'm seen, I'm felt. And then the next thing I gotta do is I gotta smell good. And I have I gotta have nice tastes. I have to have taste the nice things. So I'm, I'm trying to commit myself to to a football team. Not a football, not, not American stuff. American stuff is so 2019. Now I'm talking about soccer. I want to be more involved in the soccer world. The soccer world is so much bigger and so much grander than all other sports. I've talked about this before, but it really is, man. Soccer is like a... A universe. It's like the MCU. And and football is like DC. American football is not even like DC. American football is like... If soccer is like Marvel Comics, then American football is like Icon or like Dark Horse. It pales in comparison. Soccer is such a beautiful sport. And I'm trying to... I'm not... (laughs) A person, I'm only committed to the things that I like to do. And I really don't like to do, I don't even have any real hobbies that I'm committed to. I draw, I play chess occasionally, I read very rarely. I, I read more rarely than I ever did in my entire life. And, um, but I want to be a part of something else that is, you know, collaborative. That's really why they, you know, black men always talking about football, I've never had an interest in it, I've never seen the the the, the thing about it, I mean, other than the camaraderie that you have with other men you know, it's definitely a part of being a man in America Um, I feel confident enough in my manhood to not be a part of football and still be a man, it's something I wrestled with at first because I was, you know, torn I was, you know made to believe that football had a lot to do with being a man and it only has a lot to do with being a man to men who make that a priority but but football is not a priority but a priority is being in the company of, of, of other men and being able to represent yourself in the company of other men and I guess a proven ground for that is football talking about football and arguing about football is a place where men can begin to, you know, hone their skills at being a man and 
being, you know, successful in arguments and being confident and being, you know, cocky and, uh, you know, charismatic or what have you. I like being those things. I don't like football, so I'm going to go with soccer. And I think I'm going to make Atlanta my team. I've been, you know, subscribing to Atlanta's news feed, but um, I have not been diligent in learning the team. I don't know any of the players on the team. I don't know the coaches. And that's something I really need to know. And I need to be watching their games so I could, like, you know, keep up with and be able to talk about it, you know. I got to be, I got to, I got to find my, my things, my, the things that I like. I need tastes and things. So I'm working on my tastes. And uh, with that, I will say fairly well, I wish you a good night and I hope that you are alive tomorrow and I hope that you have a bold and beautiful day for the rest of your life. May all your days be beautiful. May your children be beautiful. May you find true love. May you get money. May you evolve into your final form. This is my wish for you and myself. Thank you for listening. Peace.